Good morning, Crossroads family. I am so glad that you have joined us today. Before we dive in, I just got to stop and celebrate what God has been doing. We've not been able to just stop the way we should and just celebrate the goodness of God and how he's been so faithful through these last seven weeks. But the bottom line is, is that we've been having a hard time keeping up with all of the windows and doors of opportunity that God has been opening and the way that God has been moving during this time of coronavirus. If you would have told me seven weeks ago and we had to close down church that we would be sitting where we are today, I would have told you you were crazy. But the bottom line is that God showed up in the times of uncertainty and has done some incredible things. When this all kicked off, it was a pretty sobering day for us behind the scenes here at Crossroads. When we realized uh, we gathered together one Sunday under restrictions, there were only so many people we could have in the building, and then we realized that following Monday morning that churches were just going to be closed, and for a while, we had to have some real heart-to-heart conversations because it was starting to get real. We are all out all the time here at Crossroads. We're aggressive. We're aggressive with our finances. If we have two nickels to rub together, we are going to invest those in connecting people with God. So we don't have a whole lot of money just sitting around in piles, right? For hobbies, you know, we don't just swim around in our rooms full of money. That's not what we do here. And so when this hit, you guys, it was, it was real. We had to have some serious conversations, but we never took the foot off the gas because that's not how we are at Crossroads. That's not what our history is like. Our story is that we lean in and in these moments of uncertainty, Crossroads, we, we take leaps of faith. And so the Monday morning when we realized church was going to be closed, the questions we began asking were, how do we be the church to our community? How do we continue connecting people with God during this time of quarantine? And what we realized right out of the gate was we had this idea of we need to be meeting the needs of those most vulnerable in our committee, or in our community. We need to be offering opportunities for them to be connected with information that they are desperate for. So on Monday afternoon, we decided we need to launch this new ministry called You Are Loved to Go. We had all of the brains come together. We put the plan in place. And Tuesday morning, it was released to our community. We are here for you. We are going to meet your needs as best we can. And we're going to just connect you with Jesus with, with the love that we have and that he has for you. Well, here's the thing. Not only did we launch You Are Loved to Go, something else extraordinary happened. We realized in a staff meeting on Tuesday morning that we had this opportunity to do drive-in church. We knew this guy who had jumbotron trucks, and drive-in church, as weird as that sound, was an actual possibility. Now, keep in mind, our finances were extraordinarily tight. We did not know where the money would come from. Honestly, if I'm, if I'm just being vulnerable with you, we actually had the heart-to-heart conversation with our entire staff saying, guys, We don't know with the uncertainty of what church gathering looks like for the next few months. We don't know with the uncertainty of our preschool closing down. We don't know what the finances are going to look like. And you need to brace yourself for having to go down to part-time pay. It could get rough. And in spite of that, you guys, we took this risk. We took this leap of faith. We said, let's do drive-in church and see what happens. And you guys, the first Sunday we did that, we had all kinds of people show up. You know how it was. You were there. It was an unbelievable experience. The news showed up, did a big press release on it, and wouldn't you know, week number two, we had more people show up than week number one. In fact, every week that we've done drive-in church here at Crossroads, you guys, more and more people have come 
every single week. It's been an extraordinary movement. We've harnessed momentum. We have new families at Crossroads because of drive-in church. It's an unbelievable thing that's happened behind the scenes. We've grown by about 300 in average weekly attendance over the last seven weeks of quarantine. I mean, can you, can you even wrap your mind around that? Who would have ever thought that? On Easter Sunday, we had 3,400 people attend our weekend service. Can you uh, just think about that for a second? That's the biggest Easter we've ever had at Crossroads. God has been doing extraordinary things that we never would have dreamed possible. In the middle of all that, we realized, hey, there are more than one monster message trucks. We have more than one jumbotron. We launched our drive-in church in Granger at Ninja Golf, and then we took that to University Park Mall. Now that's meeting at uh, the Great Escape on Grape Road. We're doing our best to just use the resources that God has given us to continuing connecting people with God, to stay focused on the mission that he has given us. And I think that because we've kept our foot on the gas, because we kept laser focused on this mission that God has given us here at Crossroads to connect people with him, man, God has just been showing up in a huge way behind the scenes. And he keeps opening doors for us to walk through. Just this Monday, we were having a hilarious conversation of thinking, okay, I think we're finally back to normal. Uh, there's no more weird stuff happening that we have to scramble and keep up with behind the scenes. Until, I think it was Marshall Hahn just randomly shows up and says, hey guys, the mayor of Mishawaka would like Crossroads to do church in the park this summer for the city of Mishawaka and the Parks and Rec Department. We're going, what? Are you kidding me? So that's the next thing on our horizon, trying to figure out what these opportunities look like, trying to maximize this momentum that we've experienced during this time of coronavirus and realize with excitement and just thanksgiving and praise that God has been moving and God has been working and he's been doing extraordinary things in our church. And it's all been because of your faithfulness. It's all been because of your generosity. It's been because of our willingness to stay laser focused on this mission that he's given us. And so I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for attending. Thank you for continuing to serve in the capabilities and the capacities that you've been able to because God is honoring this movement and people are connecting with him. You guys, 142 decisions made for Christ over the last seven weeks. We baptized 15 people on Easter Sunday. You guys were celebrating changed lives. These are the best days for our church. It really is an extraordinary thing. So as we start getting back to what normal could be like in the future, and as these restrictions begin to ease, I just want to kind of pave the way for you and, and realize May 31st is the date that we're shooting for uh, to resume having services inside the church. A lot of other churches are reopening. Crossroads never closed, all right? So we're going to continue doing what we're doing through the end of May and then see what the new normal looks like and figure out how to navigate it from there. But in the meantime, guys, would you just keep drawing close to Jesus? Would you keep celebrating with us the way that he's moving and working in the lives of people in our community? And let's stay laser focused on this mission that he's given us to connect people with him. Would you join me in prayer? I'd like to just pray a prayer of thanksgiving to God before we dive into today's sermon. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you today for who you are, for the way that you've been moving and working in the life of our church. God, you are worthy of our praise. We celebrate 142 people that have made decisions to follow you. We celebrate the 15 people who were baptized, who we celebrate the change that you've brought in their lives. We celebrate the fact that more and more people are gathering together in this movement, have connected with you and are joining in and, and celebrating the change and contributing to this community. God, just continue to guide us and direct us, to fill us with your wisdom and your love. And God, may you continue to help us walk in your blessing and favor as we stay focused on connecting people with you. Jesus, as we draw close to you today, I just ask that your presence would meet us here in a very real and powerful way. 
And that today we would leave change knowing, God, that we can lead the people in our lives, lead our families towards you, even in these times of chaos. Jesus, we love you. We thank you today. We pray this in your name. Amen. Now, today we're kicking off week three of this series called Quarantine, and it's all about pandemic parenting, all right? Week one, we talked about relational isolation, how we cannot isolate ourselves from the most important relationship. That's our relationship with Jesus. We have to clear the mechanism. We have to realize we have no greater opportunity than right now when all the distractions have been taken out of our lives to focus on our relationship with Jesus and to draw close to him. Last week, we talked about spousal distancing, recognizing we have an opportunity to strengthen our marriages and to center our marriages on Jesus and to focus on this covenant that we have and this love that we can model in our lives that God has shown us. And we realized, man, talking with Lamoris and Megan Crawford, sometimes the most powerful thing you can say to your spouse is, I'm sorry, right? And that applies to all of our relationships. It's just loving others the way that God loves us. Well, today we're talking about pandemic parenting, and it couldn't fall on a better day because it is Mother's Day. And let's, we have to stop right now. Let's give a shout out to all of our moms. Happy Mother's Day. I would contend that this Mother's Day is a Mother's Day like no other in the sense that moms, you deserve that extra love and that extra thanks and that extra praise today because pandemic parenting is tough, all right? I'm just talking about my own experience. You guys, Dana and I have been trying to navigate e-learning, and Dana, God bless her heart, I'm so glad she was a teacher because that would drive me crazy if that was all on me. I'm just, I'm not going to lie, I can't do it. It's too much. E-learning is just a hassle. My goodness gracious, but we're getting it done. You've got just the regular drama that comes that is magnified because of the pandemic. All we can do is be with each other for these last seven weeks. So you get really tired of each other sometimes. There's drama. There's the arguments. There's the receding into the room and just, you know, your kid's playing Fortnite for nine straight hours and you didn't realize it, right? You're just not being a good parent. There's the mischief that you have to endure. Listen, my youngest son, Jacob, likes to scare people. That's his thing. So we'll just randomly hear him yell at Carter from around a corner and all of them scream together. For it. it's, it's craziness. It's the mischief. And I got to be honest with you, I'm not proud of this. It's just me being vulnerable. My youngest son, Jacob, is 10. And I want you to know, this week I went into my office at my house and I found these two things sitting out on the top of a little filing cabinet I have. A roll of tape and a key fob to my wife's car. And I'm going, why is there a roll of tape out? And why is her key not in the little tray that I keep it in so that I don't lose it? So I'm going, boys, what's the deal with this stuff? Who got this stuff out? And this is what unfolded. Jacob says, just without any type of shame or you know, inability to communicate, he just says, not holding back at all, Dad, you were gone, and I really wanted to download an app on my iPad. So what I did was I went to your tray and got the key. I found the tape, and I tried to pull your fingerprint off the key fob with the tape so that I could download the app on my iPad using your identification and your fingerprint. And I'm going, oh, my goodness. He's 10 years old. And what I realized was I was so impressed by that that I wasn't even angry. Now, I do have a problem. We've been watching way too many movies. I think that's the problem. That's the moral of the story. But I'm going, oh, my word. You talk about navigating pandemic parenting. There is a lot to navigate right now. And in the middle of the chaos, you're trying to figure out, how do I do anything profitable here? How do I get anything done? I saw a clip on social media, a quick video that I thought was hilarious because it just summarized the whole feelings of this pandemic and trying to parent in the middle of the chaos. Check out this video and tell me if you haven't felt the same way. 
because of coronavirus, you are going to be quarantined, but you have a choice. Do you A, quarantine with your wife and child, or B? B. 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 <laughs> I love that video clip because it captures the frustration of pandemic parenting. It's like, get me out of here. I won't be anywhere but here right now in the middle of this chaos. And yet, we have a question to answer, okay? It's how do I lead my family toward Jesus in these times of chaos? How do I use this chaos? How do I maximize this opportunity to draw closer to Jesus and help point my children toward him? I want to submit an idea here to you just to think about as we dive into this for the next few minutes, and that's this. Your commitment to Jesus is going to point your children to Jesus, all right? And it's not just about being a parent, because your commitment to Jesus is going to point your friends toward Jesus. It's going to point the people in your life who look up to you, it's going to point them toward Jesus. So it starts with your commitment to Jesus. That's why we start this series talking about our relationship with Jesus. We cannot afford to isolate ourselves from God. We have to focus on that relationship because it is priority number one. Your commitment with Jesus is going to point your children to Jesus. So how do I lead my family toward Jesus in times of chaos? Let's look at 2 Timothy 1. Paul is writing this to Timothy. Timothy has been identified as this great leader of the early church. He's young. He's probably 16, 17, 18 years old. And Paul is just trying to pour himself into Timothy and help him become the best leader of the next generation that he can possibly be. And here's what he writes that we can learn from. He says this, Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. This is a really important uh, principle to highlight here because what we see right out of the gate is the importance of surrendering your family to God. That's the first principle that we've got to lean on today. If you want to point your children toward Jesus and lead them toward Jesus in this time of chaos, you've got to make sure that you've surrendered your family to him. What you see here is Paul is highlighting the reality that Timothy's grandmother and his mother have led the charge for him on his journey of faith. They've passed this legacy of faith down to him, and it's a big deal. They've created a story that involves Timothy that changes everything. They've created a godly heritage, a history that is centered on Jesus for Timothy to live out of. And when we as parents, when we as people of influence in the lives of the people around us can focus ourselves by committing ourselves to loving Jesus with everything that we've got, we point those who look up to us, our kids specifically, toward Jesus as well. And Paul's highlighting the reality that Timothy is in a great position because his grandmother and his mother have invested in him. They have shaped his story. They've poured themselves into them in such a way that he loves Jesus. And not only does he love Jesus, but he's primed to be a leader in the early church. And what I want to challenge you with today is this. It doesn't matter where, you at, uh, in, where you're at in life, what stage you find yourself in as a parent. You could have kids that are three years old, four years old. You could have kids out of the house in their 30s and 40s. I want to challenge you with something today because a lot of times we can beat ourselves up and we can look at all of our failures. I want to challenge you with this. It's never too early and it's never too late to start pointing in the, the people in your life to Jesus. It's never too early and it's never too late to start leading your family toward God. 
So forget about the mistakes you made in the past. That's, that's all gone. Start with today. Focus on loving Jesus and serving him with everything you have. Surrender your family to God and point them toward Jesus. It starts with that attitude of surrender. And honestly, that start, that's where it starts in our individual relationship with God. It starts with me saying, God, anything that's in my life that is a barrier between my relationship, between me and you, I surrender it to you. I mean, surrender is the key to our life with Jesus, right? It's the key to building our relationship with him. So when I surrender anything in my life that's a barrier there, then I'm closer to Jesus than I've ever been. Then I'm in the perfect place to say, now, God, I'm surrendering my family. How can I point them toward you? This is a major principle and a major breakthrough in your own personal journey and in the life and in the story of your family if you can get to this place where you are surrendering your family to God. Well, it doesn't stop there. In fact, Paul's just getting started. He says, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. He sees that the faith has been successfully passed down from his grandma, from his mom to him. How did they do that? Well, I think the next step is, I mean, first you start by surrendering your family to God. The next step is you set a good example because your kids are always watching you, all right? And what you say and what you do, it matters. If you don't believe me, ask Pastor Ashley because Ashley knows everything about your, about your lives because your kids tell her everything. And you got a little bit of a pass right now because of the pandemic. We haven't met in you know, real life for seven to eight weeks. So you've got a little bit of, of an escape there, but man, your kids know everything. And I'm just kidding. They don't tell Ashley everything. Only about 80% of what actually goes on in your house. <laughs> uh, but the truth is, man, your kids are watching you. And if you are committed to Jesus, you are going to point your kids toward Jesus. They're watching you. They're seeing how you respond in the good times and the bad. And Paul's highlighting some really important things here that uh, Timothy's grandmother and mother did a great job of. They were setting a good example for Timothy to follow. And what I would encourage you to think about uh, during this time together today as we talk about pandemic parenting and the chaos that's around us is the stark reality that 85% of people who accept Christ make that decision between the ages of 4 and 14 years old. Could you just stop and consider that for a moment? 85% of people who invite Jesus into their life, make decisions for Jesus, make that decision between the ages of 4 and 14. That's why I contend that this topic of pandemic parenting, you know, leading our families toward Jesus, is so critically important. Because these are the formative years for our kids. These are the years when they're trying to figure out who they are, what their identity is, what's going to be important to them. And we as parents, we as role models for these kids that God has placed in our lives, who look up to us, who we have influence on, we have the opportunity to point them toward Jesus. We have the opportunity to change the trajectory of their lives, to truly invest in eternity in a way that will change life for generations to come. Don't take this responsibility lightly. Set a good example for your children to follow. They are watching, and what's scary is sometimes more is caught than is taught because they are watching your actions. They're seeing how your actions match up with your words. And man, when you've surrendered them to Jesus, when you're setting a good example, that is stacking the deck for success. How about this? Here's how you set a good example. Let them see you reading your Bible. How about that for a change? What if your, your kid woke up in the morning, came out, and you're at the, di the dining room table reading your Bible? Well, what does that action show your child? That shows them that your relationship with God is really important. 
You're carving out quality time every day to spend with God. When your kid sees that, that's going to make a difference in your child's life. It's going to point them toward Jesus. How about this? Let them see you praying. Let them see you talking with God. How about inviting them to join you in those prayers? We have the tradition at our house of praying every night, no matter what, before we all go to bed. My wife and I and our two boys. That's become a tradition that, that's every day, no matter what. And when it's time for bed, somebody's going to say, all right, where are we praying? Where are we meeting? Where are we doing this? That's just become the tradition. It's become important, and that's a, a sacred time for our family. It's a great tradition. How about this? Let them see you making church a priority. Uh, you would probably expect your pastor to say this, come to church, but would you consider the reality that, you know, in 18 years of life, you're going to have 936 opportunities, 936 Sundays to bring your kids to church? Well, if you decide that you're only coming to church once every three or four weeks, well, you've just cut that number down to, you know, 250 times that your kid's going to be at church throughout the 18 years of, of his life in your home. And you realize you're minimizing drastically the impact and the influence of the church family. That time where we worship Jesus and draw close to him and are challenged to take next steps in our faith, we have to make church a priority. We have to let our kids know that they are important, critical pieces of the of part of the family that we have and of the life of our church. Church has to be a priority. Make that a priority in your, in your life, in your household. Surrender your, your family to Jesus. Set a good example by making these things a priority. And finally, how about this? Let them see you serving God, using the gifts and abilities he's given you, and have them join in with you. Uh, there is no greater impact that you're going to have on your kid than having them serve with you, having them witness with their own eyes the change that God can bring in people's lives when you love them with his love and when you lead with the gifts and abilities that he's given you. We all have a purpose. We all have a plan that God has created for. He's given us gifts and abilities to use for things he's prepared in advance for us to do. And when we invite our kids to join us on those opportunities, those are life-changing moments that point them toward Jesus. I think that's how we set a good example. Here's how we take it to the next principle and stack the deck for success. Here's the thing. Here's what it goes on to say uh, in 2 Timothy 1. Paul writes, This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. This is really important because what Paul is recognizing here is, is, is very simple, but it's critical. He's recognizing that Timothy has all of the potential in the world to be a great leader in the early church, but it hasn't happened yet. He's saying you've got to fan that into flames. Right now it's a spark. It's smoking just a little bit. You need to work at making this a full-out flame. You need to make this a huge raging fire. Use it for the kingdom of God, but you've got to fan that thing into flame. And what he's focusing in on right now in the life of Timothy is not so much his abilities. It's, it's his availability. Is he able to be in a place where he's saying, God, here I am. And when you think about things in, in those terms of what am I doing to make myself available, what am I doing to stack the deck for success so that I can point my family toward Jesus, that makes a difference. And it helps you focus on the reality and the importance of these sacred moments and these just absolutely precious times that we have with our kids. They go by so fast. You guys, I just realized this week, my son is 12 years old, Carter, my firstborn son. He mowed the lawn for the very first time. What a glorious moment. You guys, I've been looking forward to that moment for 12 amazing years. I mean, I'm, every year I mow the yard, I'm going, someday my son will be able to do this instead of me. And this is the summer. This is the moment in time it happened. I could not be happier. My son is 12. He's mowing the lawn. And then I have just the opposite reaction when I realize, 
oh my goodness, my son is 12 years old. I've only got him around for a few more years. And then I just, you know, start getting mopey and depressed. It's pandemic parenting. We're all over the board of emotions, you guys. I'm in a glass case of emotion. So what you realize when you're stacking the deck for success, you've got to focus on a couple things, all right? Number one, focus on character. This is really important because a lot of times we miss this. We tend to celebrate uh, the things that are exciting, to celebrate the sports achievements or the academic achievements of our kids. Listen, these things are important and celebrate away because those are great moments to celebrate. But make sure you're focusing on character. No matter what your child endures in the good times and the bad, are they becoming more like Jesus? Highlight those moments when, when they're honest, when they display integrity and self-control, when they tell the truth, even when it's a difficult time in life to navigate. Just highlight those moments when their character is shining and they are becoming more like Jesus. When we highlight that, when we celebrate that, that tells them that that is what is most important. And truly, that's what builds the most important foundation, which is trust, is that character that is displayed on a regular basis. Let's focus on character. Let's start there and stack in the deck for success. I think number two is we embrace the crucial conversations. Listen, there are going to be awkward conversations that you have with your kids. You're going to want no part of those conversations. You're going to like, please talk to anybody else but me. And yet it's those moments where you feel a little overwhelmed. You're a little bit nervous. You're a little bit scared. You don't know exactly what to say that God will show up on the scene. He'll give you wisdom. And it's also that moment when your kid is desperate for your guidance, for your wisdom, and for your instruction. Even though you don't always have all the answers, being available, being willing to have the conversation makes all the difference in the world. Check out this quote from Dr. Christian Smith from the University of Notre Dame. So this must be a really important quote if you know what I'm saying. He says this, Research suggests that the most important social influence in shaping young people's religious lives is the religious life modeled and taught to them by their parents. That's an extraordinary statement. And when you realize that if I'm able to lean in and have these crucial conversations with my child, those are the moments where I am teaching them. Those are the moments where I am modeling my beliefs, uh, my wisdom, my thoughts, and, and just passing that down to them. Those are the moments that are critical. You have to embrace the crucial conversations, even when they're awkward, even when you feel overwhelmed. Don't shy away from the questions of faith, when they have doubts, when they want to talk about sex and relationships and culture. It might get weird, but guys, have the crucial conversation. They are desperate for your guidance. They are desperate for your wisdom, and you have the greatest influence in these momentous times in their lives. Don't shy away from those moments. Lean into the awkward moments. Finally, be committed to displaying this committed love. Let them know, let your children know that no matter what, you love them unconditionally. Remember, God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. Your kid needs to know that you love them and that there's nothing that they can do about it. You need to always be available to talk no matter what. Be that person they can come to because they are desperate for your voice in those times when they're trying to navigate and figure out life on their own. This is how we stack the deck for success. I think the final piece of this is you've just got to be willing to stick to the plan. 2 Timothy 1 finishes off this concept. Paul finishes this concept by saying this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. I think when times get rough, when you're in the middle of pandemic parenting, trying to figure out how to lead your family toward Jesus in times of chaos, you've just got to stick to the plan. What does that look like? Well, it means you've got to have the courage to lead. It's not always going to be easy. In fact, a lot of times it's going to be really difficult. You're not going to know what, what the right answer is or what to do, but just take courage and remember God is with you. How about this? Just stay committed to God. Remember, your commitment to Jesus 
is going to help your child be committed to Jesus. It is going to point your child toward him. And finally, last but not least, it's about consistency when things get difficult. Remember just to be who you are. Stay focused on Jesus. Don't let these things rattle you when you hit the bumps in life, when you go through the valleys, because God is still there. He's still going to give you wisdom. He's faithful. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. You've got this. And one final piece of encouragement. I said this earlier, but I want to say it again. It's never too early, and it's never too late to start leading your family toward Jesus. And so I want to encourage you today. You might be just going through the chaos of parenting right now through this crisis. You might be a parent of of an adult child, 30, 40, 50 years old, and you have regrets. It is never too early, and it is never too late to start leading your family toward Jesus. And so as we come to a close today, I would just ask, would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? As I ask you this final question one last time, am I leading my family toward Jesus? How about this? If you don't have kids, am I leading my friendships toward Jesus? Am I leading those who look up to me toward Jesus? And I want to challenge you with the same principle. It is never too early and it is never too late to start leading these people in your lives toward him. You might be here today and you're just dealing with a lot of regret. I want you to lay that down at the feet of Jesus. I want you to surrender your family to God and ask him for wisdom because your simple commitment to Jesus will help inspire that same commitment to Jesus in the lives of your kids, no matter what phase of life you find yourself in. You might be overwhelmed right now. The e-learning, the drama, the chaos, the mischief. Here's the thing. You're going to make it. Take courage. You've got this. God is with you. Pray for wisdom. He'll give it to you. And stick to the plan. Surrender, Surrender your family to Jesus. Man, set a good example. Do your best. Stick to the plan. He is faithful. I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you today because our families are so important. These are the leaders of our next generation, and it's a heavy responsibility to pass this legacy of faith on to the next generation. But you guys, we can do it. It's never too early. It's never too late to start. Today, let's commit to leading our families toward Jesus. God, as we talk about family today and the difficulties of navigating the chaos of pandemic parenting, God, I just I ask that you would meet us here, that you would help us to feel your presence in a real and powerful way right now in this moment. God, I... I surrender all of our kids to you right now. Everyone here, there's there's so many people watching in so many different situations and circumstances right now, and you know every single one of them. And so, God, I just pray that you would meet us all with your wisdom, with your grace, and with your love. And for every family that's represented here today, for every child that's represented, God, I just pray this prayer. God, would you bless us and keep us? Would your face shine upon us and be gracious to us? God, for each child that's involved in this community, if for every parent that's going through the process, God, would you just turn your face toward each of us and give us your peace today? We surrender it all to you, God. (laughs) We commit to setting the best example that we possibly can. And God, we just commit to sticking to the plan and drawing close to you. We love you today and we give you praise. We pray this in your name. Amen.